0: terms and conditions apply
1: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the
2: podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that 3
1: hour philosophy show
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: You heard it, guys, and what a day. You know, Tuesday you might think, ah, this could be the day during our football week we take off. Oh, no, 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 no. Mike Lombardi, bottom of the hour. And what do we do with Mike? The questions even the wise guys don't know the answers to. When it comes to the NFL, that's who we talk or that's what we talk about with Lombardi. Also, we've got the pros versus the world. What does that mean? It means the AP comes out with their poll. Brad Powers, with all the college knowledge right here in Vegas, he disagrees with the AP. Also, ESPN puts out their NFL rankings. Fezzik disagrees with them. And then we got Colin Cowherd. There are no sacred cows on Straight Out of Vegas. And Colin puts out his top 10. Who dog is he wrong about one of these teams? So says Fezzik. By the way, guys, we make this promise every day. If you bet sports, you can't afford not to listen. And all sports fans are going to learn something others are missing. And joining us every day from the Fox Studios, the voice of the fan. Jonas Knox.
1: Yeah, that's right, RJ. We come to you live here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. As we do every single day here on Straight Out of Vegas, we start off the show with the Vegas perspective on the biggest sports story of the day, that being Monday night football, the Steelers beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30 to 27 last night.
3: And what we love to do, Jonas, is find a story that isn't as obvious. And to me, the obvious story in this Monday night game, a very important win for the Steelers. A lot of turmoil, discombobulation, as Mr. T would say, gibbering and jabbering. But lo and behold, they all come together, the Steelers. Like, they tend to. I'm a fan of the Steelers. And when their back's against the wall, they get that win. And I bet the Steelers for and against them a lot. And my record's probably better with Pittsburgh than any other team. So I do generally agree when their back's against the wall, Pittsburgh plays really well. And Fez, you right here on the show had him yesterday as your pick, and it won. You cashed. But I'm going to make the case it's not as obvious as it seems, that maybe that's not the story. First off, turnovers. Now, here's what you need to know in the NFL. The turnovers really dictate a game. Pittsburgh was plus three net margin last 30 years in the NFL. If you're plus three in turnovers, you win the game 90% of the time. You cover the game 89% of the time. Okay. But by most accounts and stats, guys will differ 75, 80% of turnovers are luck. Now you might say, what do you mean? Intercepting the ball is a lot of luck. That whole story that you hear on Typical Talk Radio about, oh, this team has a a ball-hawking defense. Uh, The stats say not really because year after year there's not a correlation. You would expect a ball-hawking defense to be ball-hawking next year. But the the stats say they're not. Uh, They they are occasionally, but not enough to really statistically be correlated. fumble same thing. Now, one thing isn't luck with interceptions, and that's throwing them, right? Brady throws less interceptions than Kaiser. We know that. Kaiser so-so. We know that. That's why we don't say they're all luck turnovers, but they're mostly luck. Steelers, very lucky, plus three. They should have won 90% of the time. The fact they won in a close game at the end, okay, a little cause for concern. Maybe the scoreboard is Isn't telling the whole story. Outgained. Pittsburgh was outgained in this game. Tampa Bay had more yards. Okay, something else to be concerned about. Also, what's the narrative? Colin Cowherd's always talking about Mike Tomlin and the team is not buttoned up, to use his phrase. Think there's some truth to that. 155 yards of penalties on the Steelers. Eh, maybe that's just one game, RJ. Okay. If you extrapolate out the current pace of the Steelers' penalty penalties, the number of them, they'd have 197 at the end of the year. That would be the most in NFL history. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on pace to have the most penalties in NFL history. You would think this game that supposedly there's all this focus in That, oh, our back's against the wall. We have zero wins. We can't go into week four with zero wins. You think it would increase the discipline? 155 yards of penalties. This Steelers team, if we use penalties as a proxy for discipline, which I think is a very valid case, man, still problems discipline-wise. Yes. absolutely. And, Fez, you were talking about the idea that the way the Steelers played in the second half also speak to, hey, if their backs aren't totally against the wall, even at halftime, this team drops off.
5: Exactly. They go into halftime. They're up 30-10. to They need the game like blood, RJ. What do they do in the second half? They basically go through the motions, barely
3: hang on, and only win by three. So to me, I think the Vegas perspective here is in the standings, they get a win. But when it comes to how good the Steelers are, Fez, you are the guru when it comes to your power ratings. What have you done with the Steelers? Did you how much did you upgrade the Steelers?
5: I did not upgrade them. I left them flat.
3: So what you're saying is you think the Steelers are as good now as you did 24 hours ago. No upgrade. Correct. All right. Now let's flip to Tampa Bay. I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. Fitzpatrick, everyone's saying, oh, it's Fitz tragic on Twitter. Everyone's cute on Twitter. He broke a record that it's hard to imagine. Fitzpatrick's in the record book for this. Only quarterback in NFL history to throw for 400-plus yards in three straight games. So, yeah, some interceptions. Yeah, it wasn't a loss for Tampa. But, boy, to me, it's hard to really think Fitzpatrick had that bad of a game. Hey, Fez, you went into
1: the season and you had a a one-and-a-half point per game game advantage for Jameis Winston as far as his value he was worth a point and a half more than Ryan Fitzpatrick then heading into Monday's game after two uh, two weeks of work for Ryan Fitzpatrick you had Ryan Fitzpatrick as a as one point better than Jameis Winston so what's the adjustment you're making now based on his performance first half to second ass and their first loss of the season for Tampa
5: I made no adjustment for this game. We saw the good Fitz magic, and we saw some Fitz tragic. It netted out. I still feel he is one point better than Winston.
3: (laughs) So you're actually going to spread the Fitz tragic, even (laughs) though you're not downgrading him. So really, this is where Vegas is different, Jonas, is Fitzpatrick certainly didn't have a great game relative, especially to his first two. No downgrade, though. Pittsburgh got that win. Everyone's excited but no upgrade. Vegas is quite discerning because, hey, when we're wrong, we lose money.
1: Guys, another name in the news uh, following that game and before that game really was a guy who didn't play, Le'Veon Bell. Time for the Vegas lead on the trade rumors involving Le'Veon Bell. A couple of teams have been out there, been reportedly reaching out to the Steelers, having discussions, one of them being the New York Jets. But as of right now, Le'Veon Bell is still a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
3: Yeah, the online sportsbooks love props like this. Proposition bets, props. And it gives you an idea what the betting market thinks. And this might surprise a lot of people. Right now, Bell is a favorite to be with the Steelers come post-trade deadline in November. Minus 220 that he doesn't get traded, plus 155 that he does. You do the math, it's a little over 60% chance Based on the betting odds, Le'Veon Bell is playing with the Steelers later this year. Now, if he is traded, these are the teams that are the favorites to get him. You mentioned Jonas Jets, and then we've got the Colts, the Browns, and the Texans. Now, the question is, is a one-year rental or like Khalil Mack, would that trade be a precursor to a signing? Though, if I'm not mistaken, Jonas, I'm not sure... If you know this, I don't for sure, I think because he's on the tag, they can't sign him during the season, even if he gets traded. Is that correct?
1: I think there has to be sort of a silent agreement. Hey, oh. uh, you kind of a Paul George type. Hey, you know, let's let's try and make this work, and then hopefully you like it here enough to, to want to be but here with long Mac,
3: term. But with Mac, they were allowed to sign him, which made the, there was less risk tr- uh, for the Bears in acquiring Matt, because they could close the deal. Right. right?
1: And, and I think they had a discussion about the contract before the contract was signed. We'll get this done, you know, and then we'll make this happen as soon as the trade is, is pulled off. All
3: right. So Fez, we quantify by points per game right now, given the givens, right? Steelers have looked a certain way, obviously very good on offense. Bell, uh, it seems like his emotional connection to his teammates in Pittsburgh is uh, tenuous, How much do you, if Le'Veon Bell return to the Steelers, how much do you upgrade Pittsburgh?
5: Upgrade them by one point per game.
3: Okay, now, a lot of listeners are thinking that's not a lot. Well, compared to quarterbacks, it's not a lot. But there's only about five or so non-quarterbacks in the NFL that are worth more than a point. So on one hand, only a point for Le'Veon Bell. On the other hand, he there's only five or so non-quarterbacks worth more. Bell's in that group of what? Six or seven that's worth about a point, Fez? Exactly.
1: Hey, let me ask you guys this. Just from a fan's perspective, and this might be conspiracy theory and whatnot, but the team's listed as a possibility, de- a possible destination for Le'Veon Bell that Pittsburgh would trade him to. The one that doesn't make any sense to me is the Cleveland Browns. Why would they trade him inside the division? Do you think there's anything to... Browns fans are so excited about the team. They're buying Baker Mayfield jerseys at record pace. Uh, they're drinking free Bud Lights. They finally won a game. Do you think, do sports books do people put teams on there just to try and incite uh, sort of the fan appeal, like, oh, he's, he's considered a favorite, even though he's maybe not even a real uh, likely idea of him going to Cleveland, but that they do that to try and initiate fans who are really excited about their team's prospects to try and bet on their yeah, favorite so team.
3: I, I think you're making a good point, which is the following. Vegas is about public perception. That said, public perception and the truth aren't often that far off because it is like a vote. As in some drunk fans, maybe drinking those free beers, Jonas might bet the Browns, but the wise the, the sports books don't really take those bets all that seriously. So let me give you an example. If there's a drunk guy, he's playing. Uh, he's a house player, is what they call him. Someone who's playing, let's say blackjack, all the time up and down the strip on a Friday night. There's guys playing blackjack for fifteen thousand a hand or more. He stumbles in the sports book wants to bet thirty k on a team, they're going to take that bet, they're going to smile, and they're not going to move the line. If Fezzik walks up and bets $5,000, they take that bet so much more seriously. So sports betting is a vote. Every bet's a vote in a way, but they're not all weighted the same, and they're not even weighted by the amount that's bet. It's weighted on who's doing the bet and how much are they betting. When that's we a- come back, we're going to talk about College football. It is the pregame pros versus the world versus Colin Cowherd, the AP, and ESPN.
1: That's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
3: I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
1: And I'm Jonas Knox, the voice of you, the fan, coming up here in just a couple of moments. It is pros versus the world. Can't wait for that.
3: And if you can't be in Vegas, we bring Vegas to you every day. Right now on the Strip, 97 degrees. That's right. 97, almost October. And the neon is pumping
1: Guys, it's a, a tradition now here on Tuesdays where we take on the world and the pros take on Hold the on, big Jonas. names.
3: Hold on,
1: it's who's we? We, we. I, I, who's look. We? I, I'm the sidecar. The we is the pros, but I'm the sidecar, and I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna barnacle onto the boat that is the success of the pros. Now, so, that's smart. Yes, that is smart. that's the move right there. Um, so so we start though because we've got a, a couple of battles that we want to get to early on, but we want to start with ESPN. Where ESPN and Steve Fezic flat out disagree over where they would stack Miami in the college football polls.
3: Yeah, in NFL in this case, but, and listen, you might think ESPN, Fox Sports Radio. Well, next we're disagreeing with Colin Cowherd. No sacred cows. Fez Dolphins, ESPN has them eighth. You have them 15th, pretty much smack in the middle. Make your case why ESPN is wrong.
5: I think ESPN is overreacting to their 3-0 straight-up record. A lot of that, RJ, is the fact their strength of schedule one of the The easiest...
3: The Dolphins we're talking about.
5: The Dolphins one of the easiest strength of schedules in the NFL so far.
3: Now, let's think about that. Played Tennessee, played the Jets, and the Dolphins played the Raiders. So you add up their records, and again, let's give Tennessee credit for some close wins, but I would make the case... And how do the wise guys do strength of schedule early in the year? They look at the season win totals. How many games was this team supposed to win? And that gives you a pretty good idea after three games only how good they really are. Doesn't matter if they won or lost. Those win totals aren't that wrong typically. So you're saying Miami, very easy, if not the easiest strength of schedule. And also those games, they weren't, easy victories.
5: Yeah, they had trouble beating Tennessee with Gabbert at quarterback week one, and most recently, last week against the Raiders. Hey, it looked like a comfortable win. They were trailing midway. So you're
3: talking about the Dolphins. The Dolphins
5: trailed the Raiders halfway through the fourth quarter.
3: Okay, so Dolphins right now, two main reasons. 3-0 record has people excited. The public fixates on the scoreboard, on the standings. Vegas doesn't, and They didn't play very tough teams. Reason number two Tennessee, Jets, Oakland, and two coin flip games. Give them credit for winning, but typically in Vegas, when a team like the Dolphins wins a coin flip, we give them a half a win. They could have won, they could have lost. We look to fade the teams to get lucky on coin flips. We look to back the teams that get unlucky on coin flips.
1: we got another power rating battle coming up here in just a moment here on Straight Out of Vegas. Do want to let you know we are brought to you by True Car, where car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or a used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Nobody's safe here in Pros versus the World. All right? Nobody. Not even our own. And with that.
3: Especially, even.
1: Yes, we go to (laughs) the next battle up where Steve Fezzik will take on Colin Cowherd. And the team of question here is the
3: New England Patriots. Now, first off, I got to be honest. I feel some culpability here. I feel somewhat responsible. Colin and I have been doing a weekly segment during the NFL season for eight years now, I think. This is the eighth. And I'm proud of him because you look at his ATS record, it's mighty good. A lot better than it used to be before I came along. Let's just say that. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe not. But to me, the idea that he doesn't have the Patriots in the top 10, that is the definition to me, the very definition of overreaction. So out of, out of Colin's top 10, Steve Fezzik, pregame pro, where do you get the Patriots? I have the Patriots at number four, RJ. Number four versus 11. A bet. Who knows what crazy spot Colin might have him in. You say four. Now, I think the average fan, and by the way, in just about 10 minutes, we'll be talking less with Mike Lombardi. First question to him, he's a Patriots insider for many years. What's his take? Now, why do you think the Patriots are better than their record?
5: It's all about history. I've seen this movie before where the Patriots had bad games in September where oftentimes Belichick does not take the
3: games quite as seriously. Now, let's be clear. He wants to win in September, Belichick, but he's willing to sacrifice 5% chance to win in September to add 10% in January. And oftentimes that decision-making early which causes the Patriots to sometimes start slow, well, obviously it benefits them later because look at their performance late in the year in in playoffs, unmatched the Patriots over the last 15 years.
5: Exactly. So if I just looked at their last two games, of course I wouldn't have them in my top 10, but my rating, a big chunk of it, has to be how strong I think this team actually is rather than a small data sample
3: point of two games. Patriots number four for Steve Fezzik in some unknown location... (laughs) on Colin Cowherd's list because it's not the Pats in the top ten.
1: We've got a major disagreement coming up here in the world of college football. Before we do that, I want to let you know we are brought to you by Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning. Pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket, it may just be the most rewarding to do that you do today. So when I mentioned that nobody's safe in the power rating battle that we do every Tuesday here on on straight out of Vegas, already took on ESPN. You've already taken on Colin Cowherd. Do we have a pro versus pro battle in college football?
3: Pro on pro violence. (laughs) We've got Brad Powers. He has all the college knowledge. I
5: read nine newspapers a day.
3: And he does his power (laughs) ratings. One to 130. One to 130. All the D1 schools. And you and Fez disagree drastically on LSU.
6: We do. Uh I think LSU, generally speaking, if we're just going me against the AP poll, I, I'll i concede to Fez. LSU is generally speaking overrated. Number six in the AP poll, I have LSU number 12 in my power rings. But Fez thinks, we'll see. I think Fez uh, well, well, Don't guess what Fez thinks.
3: It. So right now, you've got LSU. Number 12. Fez, what do you think LSU should be? I think 12 is a fine number. <sighs> I'm confused. I thought you said that you felt like LSU was your.
6: <laughs> Overrated team it,
3: You must have got scared I thought you said you disagree with Brad about LSU I actually have him 15
5: I made a mistake here
3: Oh wow Okay So we You know something Brad That's alright <laughs> When we were talking about this before the, before the show You said you know something I so disagree with Fez I'm going to do a impromptu best bet yep. On LSU Because you felt so strongly about your ranking and we were hoping Frez would pass, press the green button. Now, listen, we don't want him out of some pathetic need to compensate for his mistake to press it. So he won't. And by the way, for those who don't know about the green button, it's green. <laughs> it's a button. And it sits right here in Vegas. And it makes this sound. Fres, pass me the button. It makes this sound. At any time when a pro likes a game, at any time, they're able to, anyone else at the table can press the button. It's an automatic $100 bet. And by the way, when the payoffs happen, we take pictures, we tweet, we video. This is no joke. Now, you might think 100 bucks for the pros. What's the difference? It's pride. If you ever know a professional better, they hate losing. So, Brad, let's do our impromptu best bet
6: yeah it's this week's game for lsu i'm gonna lay the 12 lsu minus 12 over old miss yes generally speaking i think lsu is overrated but not for this game keep in mind the head coach for lsu ed orgeron was fired by old miss ed orgeron's taking that personally the last two years two covers by double digits a piece lsu kind of sleptwalked through last week's game after the game ed orgeron says hey i'm not happy this isn't good enough well it'll be good enough on saturday night give me the tigers minus 12.
3: Brad Powers best bet. Now you don't often lay the lumber. I
6: don't. Very rare for me.
3: Speaking of laying the lumber, we've got every Thursday in the last segment of the show and we started last week. You give big money line parlay. How could it possibly lose <laughs> wink wink pick of the week. Last week you had four big money line favorites and they cashed. They did all 4-1. So we're 1 and 0. Oh. How could it lose? Wink wink. This Thursday again. Yep. About uh, 6.50 Eastern, number two when it comes to your big faves. Can't but here, it. another big fave, which is rare, LSU best bet, Brad Powers. LSU Power. will
6: probably be a part of that.
3: Ooh, Brad Power's best bet
1: and uh, we will get to Michael Lombardi who's going to be joining us here on Fox Sports Radio here on Straight Out of Vegas that is coming up next all sorts of good stuff from one of the best analysts anywhere in the country first so let's find out what else is going on in the world of sports
2: looking ahead to week four in the National Football League season the Buccaneers have a date with the Chicago Bears on Sunday in the Windy City Buccaneers head coach Dirk Cutter telling his quarterbacks today who's going to start that game he's just not telling us but Cutter says that Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston know who's going and to start this Sunday. Now, week four starts Thursday with the Vikings and Rams. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook was able to practice today, trying to return from a strained hamstring that cost him week three. Head coach Mike Zimmer said there's a possibility Cook plays in that matchup with the Rams. Rams head coach Sean McVay said today that cornerback Aqib Talib will have surgery on his injured ankle Thursday and a timetable for his return would probably come about after that procedure. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Cincinnati Enquirer reports that former Red Sox skipper John Farrell is going to interview for the Reds' managerial vacancy. While Lakers point guard Lonzo Ball sat out workouts today, he is going to practice tonight as he returns from off-season knee surgery. Lakers head coach Luke Walton did say that Rajan Rondo will be the team's starting point guard while Ball is dealing with his return from that knee surgery. Guys, back to you. Thanks, Dan. Coming
1: to you live here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I am Jonas Knox, the voice of you, the fan here on Straight Out of Vegas. And speaking of Vegas, the voice of Vegas himself, R.J.
3: Bell. Every Tuesday, we're very fortunate at the bottom of the hour, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, to have Michael Lombardi. He's an NFL writer for The Athletic and also a new book, and it's called Grid Iron Genius. Grid Iron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. Available Amazon, wherever books are sold. Michael, how are you?
7: I'm great. Thank you, RJ. Thanks for having me. I appreciate
3: it. Oh, it's our pleasure. We, you know, this is what I said early in the show, Mike. I said the wise guys know a lot, but when they have a question that they're not certain of, I turn to you when it's in the NFL. Let's start with (laughs) the Patriots. Uh, Listen, year after year, seemingly the Patriots start slow and you are the first guy I heard say, hey, they look at September, the Pats do, like an extended preseason. Don't overreact early. We can all remember the Kansas City game on Monday night, and year after year, the Patriots turn it around. For the first time, Michael, you have your doubts.
7: You know, I do. I think I think this. I think, you know, they've lost a third of their offense. You know, when, when we talked about, uh, when you go back to 14, it was a different circumstance. There were a lot of different players on that team that were starting to come into play and hadn't really worked together, and Tom was struggling with the pre- with, with the month of September and the Kansas City loss. This year, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, first of all, you lose Danny Amadola that's 61 catches. You lose Brandon Cooks, that's 65 catches. You lose Deion Lewis, that's 900 yards. That, and between the three of them, they touch the ball, which amounts to 33% of the offense. They don't have that. They're missing that. Now, they'll get that back when Edelman comes back. He replaces Amadola. Perhaps Josh Gordon can replace Brandon Cooks if he can stay on the field. Certainly, if he's the 2013 Josh Gordon, he could. And then they don't have anybody right now to replace Deion Lewis, who, you know, to some people on the outside might have been, well, he was an accessory to the offense. No, he was their driving force to their offense. 900 yards, could catch the ball, could take a swing pass out of the backfield and turn it into a 15-yard gain something that Sonny Michelle didn't do the other night against Detroit. So I think that's the concern right there. Do I think they'll eventually get it turned around? Yeah, but this team has always been driven by their offense. They're not driven by their defense. And so the defense hasn't really been able to keep them in the game. They got that score to 13-10. to 10. The defense gave up a touchdown. They like to play from in front, not from behind.
3: We're talking with Michael Lombardi an executive on five different NFL franchises, including the Patriots. Let me ask a follow-up about the Pats. I love the concept, theoretically, of get an elite quarterback, maybe the best of all time, convince him to take a discount, a hometown discount, and then spend your money judiciously elsewhere, but not so much with those big names on the outside. Oh, trade this guy or that guy, all the big names but let's pay an extra $3 million to have a great left tackle or a great D-line or whatever. So it seems like Belichick's gotten the first half right, right? They got a great quarterback at a discount. And also, let's go the big names that the casual fan might say, how in the heck could the Pats let them go? But why isn't that extra money, Michael, leading to the rest of the team being much better than they are?
7: Well, I think that's an issue, and I think some of the guys that they've selected haven't come through. Kenny Britt didn't come through. Jordan Matthews didn't come through. Right now, Sonny Michelle is a young player, missed all of camp with a knee injury. He's really struggling. I think he, Tom Brady doesn't have his – He does. Brady doesn't trust him. So, And then defensively, you know, last, last week they were missing a bunch of guys. I mean, Harmon had to play corner for them, which he can't really do, and in the game it cost him. So – I think some of the guys aren't on the field, but it's a fair question. The receiver position really has been a very difficult. They've had 28 or 29 transactions at receiver. It's been very difficult to find the guy that can be the main guy on the outside. Malcolm, Malcolm uh, Mitchell, he got hurt earlier, you know, in his career, and he had never really came back. He was a guy that was counted on to be an outside X or Z, and Edelman getting suspended. So, I think what you're seeing is a little bit of the residual effects of winning so much, and some of the younger players just not being ready to play.
3: Yeah, listen, if, if we look at the Eagles and say getting young, cheap talent through the draft is key, especially a quarterback, well, that seems to make winning even more of a negative than it used to be. Remember, the first top 10 picks used to be uh, to the point Bill Parcells was pontificating, maybe we shouldn't draft number one the year he ended up taking the great offensive lineman, if I recall. Now, the contracts for the rookies are so advantageous for the teams. If you're drafting 25 or later every year, boy, it's tough to keep a team going. Obviously, Belichick has. Last question on the Pats, Mike, over under for you, if you had to guess how many games in the regular season do the Patriots win?
7: I think they'll win 10. I think they'll okay. win 10. and I think we're going to know a lot about them this week. I think this is a, this is a tough game for them. Miami's played really well. Give up Miami's made a lot of big plays. Miami has eight plays over 20 yards for their offense this year. Five of them are touchdowns. They have been an offense that has worked the ball on big plays. They had no business beating the Raiders last week. The Raiders, for whatever reason, decided to give the ball to fullback on fourth and one. For whatever reason, they decided to throw the ball to Martavius Bryant in the end zone with their best corner, Howard, covering them. It was a game that was just there for the taking. The Raiders didn't take it. So, this will be a challenge, but I do think they'll get it turned around. Brady's still going to be a better player. Gordon's going to come around, and Gronk's still there. So they're going to have to play more complementary football. They'll work their way through, but I think they can win 10 games. I'm not sure there's anybody in the East that's really that good. Now, Miami's 3-0, and but I haven't seen Miami do anything other than not lose games and be able to be right there.
1: He is Michael Lombardi. He covers the NFL for the Athletic. Joining us here on Straight Out of Vegas here, Fox Sports Radio. Michael, outside of injury, and we know the the big one for San Francisco. Which team's quarterback situation concerns you the most?
7: I think San Francisco. Look, I, I, this summer on Jam Street, my podcast, I thought ta- we talked about the backup quarterbacks. Why somebody wasn't trading for Bridgewater? And there's such like if Dak Prescott gets hurt. You know, they could be competing for the first pick in the draft, the Cowboys. And we use Jimmy Garoppolo as an example because he's not been able to stay healthy throughout his career. And unfortunately, he got hurt. And C.J. Beathard's coming in. And that 49er roster is not very talented. I mean, the 49ers have three number one picks in their defensive line that neither of them make an impact on the opposing quarterbacks. And teams go up and down the field on them. In every single game, the Lions did, the Chiefs did, and certainly Minnesota did. And Minnesota's one of the worst-scoring teams in the NFL, and they moved the ball on them. So it's fascinating. I think the 49ers are in in trouble with that quarterback situation as Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt and tries to move forward. I think they could easily be a team that's picking the first pick overall in the draft.
1: Is there another team out there not dealing with an injury at quarterback, but the performance thus far has you concerned?
7: Well, look, I I call Blake Bortles the great equalizer, and I think is there ever a point that he's the great equalizer that he scores scores six points against the Tennessee Titans? And if you watch the game, if you study the tape, they made no plays in the passing game over 15 yards. If any quarterback, if Matthew Stafford's playing in Jacksonville, they're the best team in the AFC by far. You know, it, to me, he's the great equalizer. He can't make throws. He did it against the Patriots because the Patriots let him get out of the pocket. When he can't make plays with his feet, he can't make plays with his arm. He worries me. I don't see it with him. I really don't. And then, of course, look, I don't know where it's going to happen in Arizona with Josh Rosen, but Arizona can't score. Their design is horrible on offense. You know, they should have beaten the Bears the other night if they could have just done anything in the second half offensively, and they couldn't. I don't know where Josh Rosen is going to end up, but I think that's a tough spot for him.
3: Talking with Michael Lombardi, his new book, Gridiron Genius, is out. And I tell you, it's not only obviously I'm a big fan of Michael, but think about it. A guy that worked for Belichick, Bill Walsh, Al Davis, et cetera, writing a book about winning at football, yeah, sign me up. Last question, Michael, quickly. The Saints, nah, let's go with the Raiders. You wrote in The Athletic this week, you said the Raiders are a 50-minute team. Now, I've heard you talk about that on your GM Street pod for a year plus now, years. I don't fully understand it. So let me skip past the stuff I do understand. I understand the Raiders have not played as well the last 10 minutes of their games. My question is, why? What is it about a 50-minute team that makes it that they play worse relatively late in a game?
7: As the game, in that game, as the game got going, as the game became, as they got tired, as their defense had to play more defense, as the players that they had, they have no depth, and so as the team mm. got worn down, like a boxer gets knocked out in the you know 11th round or the 8th round, you know he can fight the fight for 6 rounds, but he can't fight it for 10, and so I think that's what happened to the Raiders. The Raiders made some horrendous decisions coaching-wise in that game, and I talked about the Keith Smith handoff, throw the ball to Martavius Bryant, Amari Cooper gives up on a route that's one of the interceptions, and then the defense got worn out. I mean, there's two minutes and 30 seconds to go in the third quarter, and the Raiders are up 17-7, to and the next thing you know, they lose that game, and that's a classic 50-minute team if you're ever going to see one.
3: So a 50-minute team usually depth problems and also maybe not the greatest adjustments late in the game.
7: Right, and they execute. I mean, the Raiders are one of the best teams in the national football league. The Saints are the number one team. When you add rushes and completions together, you can get an idea about how your team's executing on offense. The Raiders are one of the best teams doing that. They execute. They just can't finish drives. They make mistakes in the red zone. They don't close them out, and they kick field goals instead of touchdowns. They make every game close, and then they break down in the fourth quarter.
3: That's Michael Lombardi. You can follow him on Twitter, at... M Lombardi NFL, every Tuesday straight out of Vegas. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right, we've got best bets. It's money-making
1: time coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio. That's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. The pregame show you always wanted right here on FSR.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, the voice
1: of you, the fan, coming up here in just a moment. Every Tuesday during football season, we're going to give you an early best bet. We think the line's going to move, so we'll have an early best bet for you coming up here in just a moment. We do want to let you know we are brought to you by GEICO, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
3: Now, Fez, you won two super contests. Now, what's that? That's like the World Series of Poker of... Sports batting, only guy ever, ever to win it twice. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world. (laughs) But I think what you're even better at, and NFL sides, very good, is predicting line moves. For like four years, this is the fourth year up at pregame.com, when do you post your line move predictions? Thursday. On Thursday, you say these are five games, they're moving this way. Now, why does that matter, guys? Because if you're going to bet the team the line is going to get better on, you wait. If you're going to bet the team the line is going to get worse on, you bet now. Think about it. And in the games that there has been a move, you've been right over 70% of the time. So this is a game. The Bengals right now, five-and-a-half-point underdogs at Atlanta. You have an early best bet on the Bengals. So let's break this down in two ways. One, why do you like the Bengals? And then we'll get to why do you expect the line to get worse for the Bengals?
5: I like the Bengals because I really am down on the Atlanta Falcons. Key injuries on the defense. Down two starters, including their starting
3: safety. Now another safety is out. Cluster injuries at safety. So let's quickly say, what's cluster injuries? It means multiple injuries at the same position. Oftentimes, there's not big names in there. But you're not going from first string to second string. You're going from first string maybe to third or maybe even off the practice squad. The market doesn't usually account for that properly. But in this case, especially on defense, there's some real value going against Atlanta. And oh, by the way, the Saints, who played Atlanta last week, the wise guys bet the heck out of them on Sunday. Why do you think the line moves? for the
5: same reason that the Saints game, the syndicates, the biggest bettors out there, waited until Sunday because they wanted to get down so much against the Falcons last week. I think they're going to do the same this week.
3: Now, we've talked about syndicates. These are organizations. These are companies. Fezic, he's typically not betting more than five or 10000 on a game. Now, listen, it's a lot of money. These syndicates, they might bet 200000 on a game. Now, here's some limits to think about if you're in Vegas or if you're betting at the biggest books online. If you bet on Sunday, let's say, overnight, you might be able to get down a couple thousand dollars, let's say. On Monday, so the day after the game, six days ahead, you can get down maybe five thousand. That's a lot. On Thursday, the limits go up again, typically twenty thousand. On game day, you can bet about $100,000. Now, if you're a syndicate and you're going to bet a couple hundred thousand, you're not going to be betting overnight. You're going to be betting either on Thursday or you're going to be betting on game day. So what we're going to do here every Tuesday on Straight Out of Vegas is give you an early best bet. It is from Fezzik. It is the Bengals, plus five and a half. And if you like it, look to play it now because we expect – the lines to move. So we're going to grade two things with this. One, how many winners you have. Two, how many times you write about the line move.
1: He is R.J. Bell. I am Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Back tomorrow, 6 Eastern time here on FSR. Straight
7: out of Vegas!